0: Wow, what a welcome. Hi church. Okay, well, if you don't know me, my claim to fame here is that good looking, talented worship pastor over there, Stephen Gully. He is my husband and I'm so thankful for him. All right. So, about a month ago, Kendall called me and asked me if I would preach during an upcoming series he would be kicking off in the summer. You guessed it. It is the series of the soil of the soul. Hasn't it been great? For those of you who have been with us. Okay. So, if you've been with us, you'll remember that he kicked off the series by using an apple to portray our body, soul, and spirit. We all we all have that, right? Okay. So, the skin is representative of our body. The seeds in the middle of the apple is our life source or our spirit. And then that crunchy middle part, juicy part, right? That's our souls. And our souls can be our thoughts, our emotions, our personalities. It's a busy place, especially for women. All right. So I was very excited and super honored to be asked to speak. And then Kendall said, I'd like you to speak on the soul of a woman. So as you can imagine, my soul freaked out. Because we all know about women's souls, right? We can't figure them out, all right? Then he went on to say, oh, and by the way, you have 35 minutes in which to do it. Still freaking out, people, right? Okay. so I've got to move, all right? Here we go. I'm going to talk fast. Now, men, hang with me here. Don't check out on me. If you're single and want to be married, this could be very helpful for you. And if you're already married, men, you may need a refresher course, a little reminder about the women in your life and what they need, right? Now, if you're in neither of those categories, the truths that I'm going to speak today can be applied to both men and women. It may just look a little different for a woman than a man. All right? Here we go. So I'm going to start things off by going where no preacher has gone before. I'm going to show you the picture of the soul of a woman. Here it is. Ta-da. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> it's not really a picture of her soul. But, you know, those noodles are going everywhere and that sauce, it makes it a little messy, right? Okay. So when I wake up in the morning, my soul is on. I'm going to give you a little example, okay? Now, don't be scared, all right? Okay. Oh, I forgot to buy bread for the kids' lunches. Oh. That personality test, I'm that number. <laughs> oh, those shoes are so cute. Where can I buy a pair of those, squirrel? Oh, I bet it's a squirrel that's been eating my roses. Do I look fat in these pants? And the soul spaghetti could go on and on, right, ladies? You know what I'm talking about. All right, so here we go. We're gonna see a picture of the man's soul now. My goal is to make you all really hungry by the end, okay? So, I'm not a man, right? So, I had to ask my husband, Stephen. I said, hey, what's going on when you wake up? He goes, coffee. (laughs) And then he said, Jesus. Time with Jesus. I'm like... Okay, so see that little waffle square right there? That little bucket there? One thing going on at a time, all right? And then Stephen went on to say that there's usually a clear transition before moving on to the next thing in his soul. And I was like, transition? What's that? What is transition? All right, so these pictures are just a start to showing our differences because, you know, truthfully, this is a difficult concept to describe, right? But, it's not difficult for God because he is the one who designed us, all right? So I'd like to take a look back at the beginning, at the creation story to start us off. It's going to be Genesis 1, 26 through 28. You can follow along on the screen with me. I'm gonna stop there. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are both made in the image of God. Women, we are part representation of God. So, that means that we literally represent the glory of God here on earth. Then it goes on in verse 28 and we're told to be fruitful and increase in number. Women, obviously, we're a key part to that command in how God designed our bodies, right? We're meant to bring forth the next generation of men and women. But I'm not just talking about physical life here. There's so much more to that idea, right? Everywhere we go, whatever we do, we can bring life. So, for example, when a group of women surround a friend in need, they bring them meals, they pray for her, they keep her kids or they even go to doctor's appointments with her, that is life. Or when a woman carefully and meticulously decorates her home to make it feel welcome and warm and safe for college students to come to a home away from home, that is life. And then women, when we use our tongues to speak life, so, for example, to lovingly correct, to encourage, to call forth someone's gifting, that is so powerful, and it can ultimately change a person's life, right? So, as I go through my message this morning, I'm gonna, there's going to be some truths that come up on the screen behind me. And I want to start with these two truths, okay? One, a woman is made in the image of God, and her soul matters to God. And next, another truth, a woman is made to bring life in so many forms and fashion. All right. Now, I'm a huge fan of roses. You see here I I brought this rose plant. And I did that today because I want this rose plant to be a picture for us to imagine the condition of our souls. Men, maybe you need another picture (laughs) to imagine your souls, but we're going to go for a rose for the women, all right? So... You need to say, God, what is the condition of my soul right now? Are there buds on my soul? Is it in full blossom? Or maybe there's a virus, like black spots on the leaves or powdery mildew on the stems. God, what's going on inside of my soul right now? So, you know, it was very interesting, if you can believe this, God started speaking to me at the very beginning of the year, 2019, about my soul and it prospering. Go figure, right? It took me a little while to clue in, but God kept giving me clues. He was very kind. It started with, at the very beginning of the year, I just was talking to God about my health. I've been having some health challenges over the last few years, and so... One of the things he said me, said to me along the lines of like, "Hey, Neely, less sugar makes for a prosperous soul." And I was like, "Wow, that's like my very own proverb, right? Like we're just gonna extend proverbs in the Bible and add the Neely chapter, right? Okay." Then a month later, I'm not kidding you. I was I sign up for this email devotional and I open up the first day. I was excited, and there pops up this verse. And guess what it's talking about? Yep a prospering soul. So I'm like, all right, ding, ding. Then (laughs) Stephen and I felt led to give money away, and so we get this as like a thank you. We gave it to a Christian organization, and as a thank you, they sent me this card in the mail. Now, I know you can't read it, but guess what the verse has in it? Yep, about my soul prospering again, okay? So, I want us to look at that verse. You'll be familiar with it if you've been with us um, during this series because Kendall kicked off the series with it. It's 3 John 1 verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So I just thought finally, I'm like, okay, Lord, there is a key here. There is something you're trying to say. And here's another truth. If my soul prospers, then all of the areas of my life will thrive. So that soul that God has given us, it's a very important thing, right? And it is is—it is necessary to take a look at it and examine it with God, all right? So... Anyways, God kept speaking to me about this whole prospering soul thing, and and He actually started to tell me to stop doing some of the things that I'd been doing for you know a long time. So, for example, one of the things was, He said, um, "Hey, I want you to stop being the financial administrator for your family, and I want Stephen, your husband, to take it over." And you know that it was like you had to pry my fingers off of the checkbook. Okay, obviously, I've got some fear here. Need to let that go. All right and then something funny now but not so funny in the moment a few weeks ago i was running around the house trying to get the kids ready for church the 8:30 service mind you And I ran up the stairs to my son's room. There are three stairs that lead into his room. They are carpeted. Thank you, Jesus. And so I ran in, I grabbed his clothes, and as I was coming out, I do not know what overtook my body, but all of a sudden, my legs were in the air and my backside found every one of those three stairs. So I did the ugly cry. I said, Hey, kids, I'm okay. I'm gonna be okay. Just let me cry for a moment, all right? Then I gathered them up, got, the, got myself back together. We made it to church on time, which is totally a miracle, all right? And then I get to church. I sit down on the front row, and Kendall starts speaking. And he goes, you know what? Sometimes we just need to simplify. I'm like, all right, Lord. <laughs> what do you want to say? And he said, Neely, you need to slow down. Ah, <sighs> doesn't that feel good? Hey, in order for our souls to prosper, we need to slow down and be with God. You know, women, we were made to thrive. And if that is to happen, our soul must prosper. But do you know who else knows that? The devil. He knows our souls are a busy place and they are easily distracted. And he hates it when we are thriving. We can see from the very beginning how he tries to steal from our souls. So I want to reveal to you two ways that he steals from our souls like a virus to our rose plant, right? And then I want to give you the truth to combat him and win so that your soul will prosper. All right? So let's look back at the, at the creation story in Genesis again. But this time we're going to turn to Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17, and then we're going to hop over to Genesis 3, 1 through 3. All righty, here we go. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, here we are in three. Now the serpent, or Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Do you see how immediately there's a seed planted in our minds, in our thoughts, to question God because of how Satan twisted God's words? God shows us all that is available to us, all that he's made for us. And Satan highlights the one thing we can't have or shouldn't have anyway. So this brings me to our first virus, okay? The fear of withholding virus. Satan makes us think that by not getting to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that God is withholding something from us. We are afraid that we're missing out on something, right? Let me tell you, people, FOMO wasn't wasn't designed for the social media era, right? No, it was back in the garden. For those of you looking at me a little crazy, FOMO, I'm still learning too, all this new lingo, is fear of missing out, and they use it on social media, things like Twitter and Instagram. You know, honestly, for me, when God spoke to me about my health and the prospering soul at the beginning, he specifically said at one point to to not to stay off of sugar for 30 days. Whew. And I really wrestled with it. Because I felt like I was being withheld from, you know? My family, we're bakers. I come from a long line of bakers, all right? And celebrations in our family have sweets and the best cake that you'll ever have, if I do say so myself, right? So I thought I'd be losing out on the fun. We can feel this way in many areas of our life, right, ladies? We can feel withheld from. Maybe there's times where we feel like attention is being withheld from us. Or comfort. Or maybe there's times where you feel like, ah, Lord, are you withholding a spouse from me? Or a friendship or a job promotion, right? You know what? In the end, I obeyed God and I got off of sugar along with my sweet husband Stephen. And for 30 days. (laughs) And you know, it was interesting. When I'm off of sugar, I have more energy, I need less sleep, my moods are better, and I can think better. We all need that, right, ladies? (laughs) So in the end, God had my best in mind, even though I just thought he was keeping something from me, okay? So we've seen how the enemy wants to lie lie to us and say that God's withholding stuff from us, but I want to show you the truth, the truth in the word of God. So we're gonna to move to John 10 in the New Testament, John 10, 10, and 11. This is actually my favorite verse in the Bible. So it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the thief is referencing the enemy or Satan. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So this is Jesus speaking here. He has come so that we may have life, but not just any life, abundant life. And let me tell you, I personally think that word abundant is pretty great in the English. But if we look at it in the original language, in the Greek, it's like out of this world, okay? So here it is. It's perisos in Greek. And it means exceeding some number or measure or rank or need over and above more than is necessary, super added, didn't even know that was a word. Yeah, superior, extraordinary. Who wants an ordinary life, right? Nobody does. But the good news is we get to have an extraordinary life through Jesus, right? Because he wants to give us more than we need, more than we can even imagine of some, of what we need, right? So when, when the enemy tries to tell you that God is withholding from you, We just say no, right? We say no to that because God wants to give us more than we need. So here's the deal, ladies. When we think we're being withheld from, we take control. We eat the apple. And here's another truth that is key. Control depletes the soul so that we will not prosper. Let me say it again. Control depletes the soul so that we will not prosper. It's true every time. All right, I want to move on to the second virus. We're going to continue back in Genesis 3, picking up where we left off in verse 4. And it says here, here we go. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We know the rest of the story, right? Eve took the apple, and she and Adam both sin and eat it. So this brings me to the second virus, okay? The value virus. When Satan says to her, you will be like God, it is another seed planted in our minds that lead us to question our worth and our abilities. Satan wants us to believe that we are insignificant and therefore wants us to feel insecure, so what happens is we start to think, am I enough? Can I do what I'm called to do? Am I seen? Are my gifting seen? Right? Or is there something wrong with me? Our value is on the line. The devil and our culture want us to believe that we aren't worth much. And specifically, one way the enemy does this is with comparison to men. Now, if you watch the news or if you're on social media, they will show that women on average in any given year make less money than a man, okay? Headlines will read that women are sought out for their beauty versus their business savvy. These things are not right in our culture, and they break the heart of God. But let me tell you, you will never truly thrive and bring forth the life that you're meant to give out if you believe the lie that you are less valuable than men. Or that you believe the lie that you're less valuable than another woman who may have a different gifting or a different figure than you do. Got it? Right? You following with me? So ladies, what I want to say to you today is that men are not the enemy. Satan is, okay? So I want to go back to that Genesis 1 passage, and I want to dissect the scriptures a little bit more to show you our value, all right? So they're going to put it back on the screen for us here. And I want you to look right at the beginning. It says, then God said. God right there is singular, Okay? But then goes God goes on to speak and he says let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, right? So that let us, that's plural. This is referencing the Trinity, God in three persons, right? God the Father, Jesus the Son our savior who died on the cross for our sins, and then the Holy Spirit, who's known as the comforter or the counselor, the one who dwells in us once we're saved. It's a community concept, right? Okay, so then the scripture goes on to say, or it goes on to say, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Don't you see that both of us were made in the image of God? Both are needed to truly represent all of who God is here on earth. Without one, the image of God is lacking, Men and women are equal in value, but they are not the same. Let me say that again. Men and women are equal in value, but they are not the same. Nor should we be, right? That would be limiting God and displaying God on earth. So our roles and our personalities, they're going to be different, but that in no way makes us less valuable. We've already talked about how our biological makeup is different and You know what is so interesting is this within this last week, I was reading about this sleep study, all right? It was done in Britain, all right? And they found that women on average need 20 more minutes of sleep a night. I was personally hoping for that full hour, but I'll take the 20 minutes, all right? Okay, so here's why. This is so interesting to me. So they found that women tend to multitask So they use their brains more throughout the day. So they need more time for their brains to recover, right? And get ready for that next day of multitasking. (laughs) I'm not kidding. You guys can look it up. It's true, right? All right. So even comparing women to other women, you know, when we compare ourselves to others, God knit you together in your mother's womb with a unique design, with a unique calling that only you can do, right? I think of my three daughters. I call them my princess warriors, right? And I study them. I want to know about them. I want to know their likes, their dislikes, their personalities, what God's calling them to, the desires of their heart. I think we have a picture of them. There they are. So cute. Right? All right. So here's the deal. They're all able to sing and dance at varying levels, right? They're all able to state their opinions. I'm sure they got that from their father, right? They all love candy, right? All right. But each are individually starting to show how God has uniquely made them, right, and gifted them. So Gigi, the one on this side, she's my oldest, and she's really been blossoming at writing and at art. She even got a little art ribbon. She got a little ribbon for her art piece at school this last year. And then there's Brie, my next daughter. She's in the middle there getting squeezed. And she is prophetic and hears God pretty clearly. And she loves to jump in and pray for people in need. She also loves animals and just comes alive (laughs) when she gets to be around animals. Um, And then there's Liv. She's my youngest daughter on that side. And she has been really excelling at dancing and singing and has even had some opportunities to do it on stage in the last year. So, you know, as a mom, I want to give my daughters opportunities to see how God has uniquely gifted them and release them into that at the right time, right? But with God, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to study us. He doesn't have to figure out the desires of our hearts or the dreams of our hearts, right? Because he created us. He knows us. And he sees us in our fullness, okay? So I want to share this story with you that um, has, it's, it happened to me. It's true. And it's really still been impacting my life. From a young age, I desired to be married and have kids. And I had a plan. I know, that's a shock to you guys. So my plan was to be married by the time I was right out of college and have all my kids by the time I was 30. That didn't happen. (laughs) I was married right before I turned 33 and had all my kids by the time I was, oh, 41. Ha, there you go, I said it. All right. But that didn't mean that God had forgotten me or that he didn't know the desires of my heart, or that he didn't think I was important, right? I remember going through a particularly hard time in my singleness when I would walk into a worship service, the guitar would strum, and I'd be, you know, a heap on the floor crying, right? And I remember one night in particular where I was laying down in bed, and I reached my hand over to the other pillow, and I said, God, when is there going to be someone here? unbeknownst to me, in another state, Stephen was actually praying about if he should pursue me, okay? I didn't know that this was happening, right? Okay, so the thing was, was he was kind of dealing with some fear a little bit, because I know this is so shocking to you, because I look so young, but I'm actually eight years older than he is, so he was like, wow, this woman, she's, she's had a career in Chicago, you know, she's gone overseas with our, our home church to Sri Lanka to help with the tsunami. He's like, I got to have my game on, right, to pursue her. That's right. All right, so he wrestled with this fear, okay, and God delivered him of it, and then two days later, God showed him a vision of me. Right as Stephen was about to go to sleep, he saw this picture of me, and it was of the side of my face. I was laying, laying on a pillow, and he saw the side of my face, and he could see that I was sad. And so he knew from that picture that I was longing to be pursued. Then God said to him, you know this isn't right. And from there on, Stephen knew he was supposed to pursue me. And the rest is history, so they say. Twelve years later, four kids later, right? Right. But, ladies, I share this story, and men, I share this story to say to you that whatever you're facing right now, whatever desires on your heart, or whatever struggle that you're dealing with, you are significant to Him. He sees you right where you are, and you can be secure in the plans that He has for you. And let me just add this I just want to add this too. Whew. You are blessed to be a part of this church that releases women to lead, to strategize, to create, to speak. (laughs) But what is also amazing about this church is that we don't just care about talent. We care about character. This church, just like God, doesn't want to raise us up before our character can handle it. And let me just say that if I had gotten my way, you know, my plan to be married in my 20s, I probably would have ended up divorced because I would have put the man on a pedestal that was only meant for God, only for God. You know, my 20s was such a significant time for me where I fell in love with Jesus, where it became a relationship instead of religion, and I learned to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit guiding me, loving me, encouraging me. It was a powerful time for me. So thank you, God, that you you didn't give me my desire before I could handle it, right? All right, so let me end this point with this, this value virus point, all right? Feelings of insignificance, And insecurity are not from God. Ultimately, insignificance causes us to compare and insecurity causes us to compete. We eat the fruit again, right? Bummer. But here's the truth that is key to remember. Comparison and competition deplete the soul so that we will not prosper. What's sad about all this is that believing these things and buying into these viruses is is sin and ultimately makes us hide from God as we see in the garden, right? But that is the opposite of what we need to prosper and to truly thrive. We need to be with God. Here's the good part though. Just like in the garden, God comes looking for us. So I want to turn now to look at what What our souls need to prosper. So we're going to look real quickly at Luke 10, the encounter with Jesus and these two women, Mary and Martha. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. You know, I've always had a tender spot in my heart for Martha. <laughs> I've thought, God, is it wrong to want to get things done? Is it what, wrong to accomplish things in life? You know, my Bible notes that most likely Martha was older because she was the one that welcomed Jesus into the home and so therefore carried the responsibilities of the household. You know, I'm the oldest in our family, and I'm also a responsibility get things done kind of a gal, right? Right? But I'm also someone who is in love with Jesus. And I long to be in his presence. What I recognize this time around, reading this version of this story, is that Martha, it says in verse 39, who she said they, they introduce her sister Mary, who also sat at his feet, Jesus' feet. So that means that Martha had been sitting at Jesus' feet, right? And then in verse 40, Mary, or Martha says to Jesus, Jesus, you know, my sister left me alone to serve alone, right? So that means that Mary was also doing some serving, right? So both ladies were doing both things. Both things are right in the eyes of God, but we have to know when to be and when to do. We have to be in his presence so that we can confirm and hear what God's calling us to do. In order for our souls to prosper, remember, we need to slow down and be with God. So, the final truth of the day is this it's His presence and His promises that bring life to our souls. His presence and His promises bring life to our souls. So, what does that mean? What does that look like? For me, that means I have to physically sit down. I have a comfy chair in my house that I like to just sit in. And then I will, I'll turn off the, the phone, the voices of social media, right? And I, I even sometimes just sit in silence without worship. And I just say, Jesus, come. Would you come and minister to my soul? There are moments that I need comfort, There are moments that I need to hear him say what he likes about me. So I'll ask him, what do you like about me? There's other times that I know that I'm struggling with fear or a lie, and I need Jesus to reveal it to me. So I have to sit long enough to hear his voice, to show me what's off in my soul. And then I ask him, what promises do you have for my season, for this fight in front of me? Both promises from the word of God. So my Bible is with me when I'm sitting down, right? And then um, also promises that he speaks to my spirit, right? Because in John 10, it says, my sheep hear my voice. So if you have Jesus living in you, he longs to speak with you. It takes some patience and some learning, but God God will speak. Because ladies, here's the deal. The world has plenty of women laden with fear and insecurity and worry. But what the world needs most is women consumed with Jesus. Women who are like, I have to be in the presence of my God that will wait long enough to hear his voice, to hear his promises, and then believe for those promises to come to pass in their own lives and in the lives of those around them. We need women to say, you know what? this sickness that I'm dealing with, my God is bigger. It is en- He is enough to heal me and make me thrive again. You know what? this marriage issue that I'm dealing with, God's got it. and I'm gonna listen for His promise and believe for the breakthrough. Oh, and Lord, that spouse that I want, I'm just gonna wait until the right one comes along, but I'm gonna believe you that you're the best spouse for me ever before my, physical, earthly husband comes along, right? All right. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. Ultimately, what this looks like is that we have to slow down, right? We have to value being in his presence above anything and everything else until it's the time to do you know, I've talked a lot about my own story today, and my own story has been, um, you know, God's been saying, "Hey, you need to slow down, maybe let go of some things you've been you've been carrying." But for others of you, you may get into God's presence, and He may say, "You know what? Now it's time to do. I'm raising you up to go disciple someone. It's time." Or, "Hey, I'm calling you to fill out that SOT application. Right? This is your year." <laughs> Or maybe a new job. God's like, hey, it's time to let go of that job, right, and find something else. I have something better for you. Let me say this. this In John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. That word good in the Greek, listen to all the attributes of it. It means excellent, commendable, excellent in its nature and characteristics, genuine, approved praiseworthy, noble, beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life, morally good, honorable. So ladies, do you think that we can trust someone like that? I think we can. I think we can. He is trustworthy and he's trustworthy with our souls and with our lives. So I'd like you all to stand up with me now as I close.